Welcome to a Why Is This News edition of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your SB Nation site covering all things Ohio State Athletics 24-7-365. My name is Matt Tamanini. I am Alexis. I guess I'm the deputy managing editor for the site. You sure um, are. Yeah. All right. New title. Um, I enjoy That other voice is one of our fearless leaders, the lovely Buckeye herself, our co-managing editor, Alexis Chasen. How you doing, boss? I'm doing good. Well, as good as can be expected, I guess. Yeah. But I'm excited. It's our first uh, podcast. Yeah, this is something that uh, we've been planning on doing for a few months. And we said, hey, let's start this new podcast thing the day or two before fall camp starts. There'll be tons of fun stuff to talk about. Yeah. Wah, wah. Yeah, not so much. Um, so <laughs> what we're going to be doing here every Friday morning, we're going to be coming into the regular Hangout in the Holy Land feed. We'll be giving you a quick recap of everything that's happened in Ohio State sporting news over the past seven days. We'll also give you a little bit of a preview heading into the football Saturday. Uh, we might also be popping up in other spots in the feed in and around what Colton and Patrick already have planned. So unfortunately, you're going to have to uh, deal with us in the feed or just delete us. I mean, just download us first, though, so we get credit for the download. I don't really care if you listen. Um, so, OK, so Alexis, this week was not what we anticipated it being. We thought that this week would be a lead in to what could be a really special season of Buckeye football. The news didn't really cooperate with us because this is Friday morning. So we're about 48 hours into all hell breaking loose with uh, the Ohio State football program and head coach Urban Meyer. Can you want to start with a, with how we got to where the wheels started going off with Brett McMurphy's reporting? Yeah, it all started last week when all the Zach Smith reports came out. And that was its own fire and its own right. And he you know, had several instances in which his now ex-wife had lobbied domestic violence allegations against him. Um, the first one was in 2009. The second was in 2015. Took Ohio State a minute or two to figure out what they were going to do, a minute or two longer than it should have. But then eventually they fired him. The bad thing for Urban Meyer is that they fired him the day before he was set to talk to the media at Big Ten Media Days. So of course, that was the first question out of everyone's mouth, and Meyer denied knowing about the 2015 incident. It was a news for about a day, and then everything seemed to die down. It seemed like Ohio State moved on from Zach Smith. It was going to be a little blip in the road. They made the right decision finally. And then, Wednesday, was it Tuesday morning? Wednesday morning, Brett McMurphy um, did another report showing text messages from Courtney Smith, Zach Smith's ex-wife. And in those texts, they were with Shelly Meyer and it was about the 2015 incident. So now it is, does Urban Meyer know or did he know about it? Did he not know about it? Did Shelly tell him? Does Shelly have an obligation under the Title IX rule as a registered nurse and member of OSU's Med Center? There's a lot of questions now. So Meyer is on administrative leave, and the football team is in Ryan Day's hand, a 39-year-old first-time ever head coach. Yeah, with not a ton of even coordinating uh, experience. He has like three years of, co of coordinating experience at Temple and Boston College. So let's real quick, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this because I figure that anybody who's listening to this 
knows the ins and outs of what's going on with Urban Meyer at this point. But really what it comes down to is, is as you said, at Big Ten Media Days, Urban Meyer flat out said he was unaware of the 2015 allegations of domestic abuse against Zach Smith. He admitted that both he and Shelley were well aware and involved with the 2009 reports dating back to when both Smith and Meyer were working as football coaches at the University of Florida. At that time, Meyer said that he passed on the information to his superiors once they handled the situation. He and Shelley, since they are longtime friends with Zach Smith's family, he's, of course, the grandson of the late head football coach at Ohio State, Earl Bruce. They worked with that. Uh, they did whatever they did, counseling, mentoring, and then he thought that was done. The issue now comes that he said he didn't know about the 2015 incident. However, the reporting from Brett McMurphy indicates that it would seem really unlikely that he didn't, knowing how close uh, he is with Shelly, how intimately involved she is with the football program. And there were text messages that were sent to his phone number from Courtney Smith. We still really haven't gotten an understanding as to how he didn't know about it. And I think that's probably what this investigation uh, that the university is currently conducting as we're recording on Thursday night. They just released the names of the different people who are going to be a part of this independent working group doing the investigation. They include a number of current Ohio State trustee members, as well as the former Ohio House Speaker, a former acting U.S. Deputy Attorney General, and a former U.S. Uh, US attorney who are going to be on this working group to investigate what Urban Meyer knew and when. And I think something that's really gone underreported, Alexis, and you know this better than anybody, or at least better than me, since as a university employee, there are certain responsibilities that being a member of the staff at a university and a state-run university, that you have some sort of reporting obligations that you might have to do. We've also heard um, from our SB Nation friends, they did a deep dive into his contract, and part of Urban's new contract that he just signed requires him to inform the administration of abuse in the program. Now, it doesn't specify what abuse is and whether this would qualify or not, but I think that's really where the hang-up is. No one's accusing Urban Meyer of being directly responsible for the abuse, alleged abuse, but it's more about whether or not he did what he was supposed to do, both contractually and morally, to deal with the issues if he knew about them. Yeah, and I think those are two very separate issues, even though maybe they shouldn't be. Um, Because from a moral standpoint, yes, he should have done something, in my opinion. Contractually, he apparently should have done something, but I think it gets a little murky in that, you know, for my training, you are required every year to take a class, like a 30-minute online thing where you have to identify sexual harassment and um, you know, it's all about how to report that and things like that, different types of assault. They don't really do anything about domestic violence and, you know, what sort of requirements you have as a state employee to report those. So I think it's a little less well-defined than like a sexual assault sure. with like the Title IX stuff. But on the moral ground, it's a little less murky in my opinion. It seems pretty clear that that's a problem to have somebody like that on your staff. Absolutely. And even more so, I wrote uh, an article on the site that went up on Thursday 
talking about the situation that Meyer finds himself in is part of a larger issue going on, not only in our society with Me Too and 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 all of the different kinds of uh, sexual assault and harassment conversations going on, but also specifically on campus where the university is currently subject to three separate lawsuits where members of the athletic department allegedly sexually abused and assaulted uh, students, either college students, um, in a lot of cases, wrestlers, but not just wrestlers. And then in a separate situation where a member of the club diving team coaching staff, which I didn't realize that was a university employee position, but sexually abused a high school student. So Meyer is finding himself dealing with something very different because obviously um, domestic abuse is much different than sexual abuse, but still surrounded by the specter of those other lawsuits makes it even harder for the university to say, you know what, maybe technically by the letter of the law, according to his contract and his reporting responsibilities, he didn't do anything wrong. But when you put it into the context of everything else that is going on in the society and on campus, it makes it difficult for them from a public relations standpoint, and then maybe even from a recruiting standpoint, to say that they're comfortable with allowing him to return to his responsibilities as the head coach of the football program. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that Ohio State was already in the news for this, um, well, for problems with yeah, yeah, yeah. athletic department things, um, to then have the biggest program at Ohio State be embroiled in a controversy, if you were, the light even brighter. And, you know, the microscope is pretty, uh, pretty focused, you know, nowadays, and not that that's a bad thing, but Absolutely. You know, you see it in with, you know, Michigan State and Larry Nasser. Like it's bigger than Ohio State, but it's still important at each institution. And it's something that, you know, it's evolving into a cultural shift, which again, I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. No. Um, but you know, if Urban Meyer gets stuck in the crosshair of that, I don't necessarily feel bad about it because he didn't do something I think he should have. Yeah, and again, we're at the point now where we're I've actually we were talking about this earlier today with uh, the land grant staff that we're actually kind of surprised at how <laughs> at how un uh, I don't know what the right word is um, supportive, maybe. Well, yeah, not unsupportive, but supportive, like how how level headed a lot of the Ohio State fandom has been about this, where normally when any whenever anybody says something bad about Urban Meyer or the program, usually it's, you know, pitchforks and torches. But it's actually been a fairly level-headed response to this because I think at this point everyone just realizes that, of course, the real villain, and I, I hate to use that term because it almost belittles it, but the real bad guy in this story, if it is true, is Zach Smith. Urban Meyer right. here is not the villain. Um, he is not somebody, he's not Larry Nasser like you just mentioned. He is somebody who, in my opinion, if he did know which is what the reporting seems to indicate at this point. We don't know that for a fact. But if he did know, I can legitimately see Urban Meyer thinking he was doing the right thing by pro by trying to mentor Zach one-on-one -on -one or with Shelly and with Courtney and ended up doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. And if you look back at the history of Ohio State's right. biggest coaches being fired, whether that's Jim Tressel for covering up and lying about the stupid tattoo gate, which is just still <laughs> ridiculous or dating back to my days at Ohio state where Jim O'Brien, who 
gave money to a family that needed it, even though he knew that that recruit was no longer NCAA eligible, he still got fired for that. So it's like we Ohio State has a history of firing coaches for doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. Right. That's the perfect way to say it. And in your article, I like best how you mentioned that he could have gotten, he could have avoided this whole situation if he would have right. um, owned up to it last week at Big Ten Media Days. If he wouldn't have had to go to Big Ten Media Days the day after they fired Zach Smith, I almost am willing to bet that this would never have happened Damn to you, begin Jim Delaney. with. Damn you, Jim Delaney. Jim fault. <laughs> Always. Everything. That's why there's 14 teams in the Big Ten. No. No, hold on there. I used to work at the Big Ten office. Uh, I'm a, <laughs> uh, uh, an acolyte and a defender of Jim Delaney for my entire life. But it's just unfortunate that it's gotten to this point. And I think ultimately I'm hoping Buckeye fans are sort of accepting this administratively for what it is. It's time to investigate, get the facts. I just hope that everyone is forthcoming with what they find out. And if they find out, Urban Meyer didn't know. Great. He's back on the sideline. You lost, what, two, three weeks. If they don't find anything, I don't anticipate it taking very long for them to decide what to do. So let's move on from Urban Meyer. And real quick, let's talk about who is going to be leading the program, at least for now. One of the things I mentioned in my article, I thought it was really telling and really interesting that Ryan Day is the assistant coach who is promoted to interim head coach rather than, I don't know, say any of the senior <laughs> assistant coaches who have head coaching experience or decades of coordinating experience or who are technically higher on the totem pole as either associate head coach or assistant head coach. But Ryan Day, the second-year, 39-year-old offensive co-offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, is now going to be running the show. Um, I know we uh, Christopher Jason had an article for us yesterday that kind of dove into what a Ryan Day offense might look like. Now, whether or not he's really um, going to be changing a whole lot, you know, remains to be seen. But what can fans expect to see from a team run by Ryan Day rather than Urban Meyer? Well, I think the 2018 season is probably going to still be Urban Meyer's show. I mean, they prepped for eight months leading up to this moment. I don't think Ryan Day is going to go in and be like, okay, I want to change this. We need to We're be running, running more bone. OPOs. <laughs> yeah. like, let's do this. But I do think he has a, he's a good guy to be excited about. I mean, he is young, but... I mean, people talk about him like he's a genius, an offensive genius. What he did, he was with the Philadelphia Eagles for one year, and he made Sam Bradford look good. If you can make Sam Bradford look good, I have faith in you. <laughs> this is coming from a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. <laughs> no no bias here. No. But I, I think he's definitely somebody um, who could be the future of Ohio State football, and especially with Dwayne Haskins and Tate Martell. Um, he could do some really exciting things for the quarterback room. And I think we sort of needed that, which is why Urban Meyer took away the co in front of his offensive coordinator mm -hmm. title a few months ago. Um, he earned that role. And from what I have heard around is that he is a very quick learner, and that's why he moves up so quickly. Although it helps being mentored by Chip Kelly and Urban Meyer throughout your career. Yeah. Absolutely. He's 39 years old, but he's been a coach for 17 years. He got his start early in his career with Urban Meyer and then went away and became a member of Chip Kelly's staff at multiple spots in college and in the NFL. So the guy has the pedigree to be a fantastic offensive mind. And I, I 
think one of the reasons that you put him in charge is if, in fact, you do decide to move on from Urban Meyer, you give him the opportunity to prove himself. And then that spirals forward into the offseason where you can say, hey, look, we've had this guy. He's young. He's exciting. He's a coach on the rise. We did well in 2018, presumably. You should still consider coming to Ohio State, even if, you know, the legendary Mount Rushmore coach that we had when you originally started your recruiting process is no longer here. Right. And I mean, it helps, too, that he has the support system he does. I mean, the coaching staff is bar none. So he definitely mm-hmm. will have, I think, Shiano and, you know, Wilson in his ear a little bit, you know, teaching yeah, him how to there. take yeah. yeah, how to take that leadership role and like that head coach mentality because it is different. You're not coaching a small group of guys. You're not taking them into the locker room after practice and showing them what they did. Like you're in charge of the entire team in a sense, and I'm sure they're going to keep it segmented, but it is still a lot more on your on your plate. Yeah, and one of the things that presumably is not going to be on his plate at least not for the time being is a whole lot of interviews because on Thursday afternoon, Ohio State announced that they would not be making any players or coaches available to the media for the foreseeable future. They would also be making all practices closed. So I don't know what that means about the normal BTN bus that goes around and stops at every training camp. Um, I would imagine that that applies to them as well, too. So we're not going to be hearing a ton coming out of fall camp like we normally do over at a uh, land grant alexis we tend to try to round up as much of that stuff as humanly possible probably going to be less news coming out of practices but i think we'll still have plenty of news to talk about over the next week two weeks three weeks four weeks into the season however long this investigation decides to linger on all right so we're going to stick with football here We've got some other stuff we want to talk about that's happened in the past week. We're sticking with football, but not of the college variety. Alexis, in addition to everything that you do with Land Grant, you also are one. Are you a news desk person? How is your official title for SBN? I think I'm just a contributor or an NFL news desk writer. I kind of bop around a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) Bopping is good. Bopping is fun. So we've got some um, Ohio State NFL related news that's come out in the past week. Why don't you give us a real quick rundown? So we had two super young Buckeyes retire from the NFL. Oh, that's awful. Uh, I know. I was shocked. Like the first one is Joshua Perry, who is one of my favorite Buckeyes of all time. I think he's one of the best humans on the planet. But he was drafted by the Chargers. He bounced around a little, was with the Colts last year. He signed with Seattle this offseason. So he wasn't out of it yet, but this was his third year. And apparently he had his sixth concussion, which just sounds crazy for his age. So he decided to step away from the game. And he did an interview today um, with or yesterday with the Today Show. And, um, you know, just talked about the mental health aspect and why he chose to walk away. And, you know, you really can't blame the guy. He's got so many aspirations to, you know, do work in the community. And um, he wants to get his real estate license and all these things. And it's, I'm sort of proud of him for realizing, you know, that at six concussions, maybe that wasn't the best choice. And it's not like he was locked into, you know, a long-term contract or like a huge $60 million deal that it would be a little more like difficult to walk away from. Sure. Um, But I still respect the guy for doing it, but I'm sure it was a very difficult choice. Yeah, between Joshua Perry and Malcolm Jenkins, which we've written about in the last couple of weeks over at the site, really impressive 
guys coming out of the Ohio State football program not only doing great things on the field, but probably going to end up doing great things off the field for years to come. I think we're going to see a lot from Joshua Perry in his post-football career. Absolutely. I think he'll do more for the community with, you know, without football than he did with it. And he did a whole lot with it. So, you know, that's really saying a lot, but, uh, another guy who just finished hit, he was heading into his fifth season was Jack Muhort with, uh, the Indianapolis Colts offensive tackle. Um, he had knee injury after knee injury and, uh, he decided to retire too. So you have two guys in their mid twenties who are choosing their health over football and, I think that's a decision that's going to be increasingly made by these mm-hmm. players um, as they evaluate, you know, what their priorities are, um, you know, post college. Yeah, and what's interesting about Muhort is is that he was a, I mean, he was not only a starter his first two seasons in the league. I mean, he was a significant contributor uh, for the Indianapolis Colts, and then in his third year had one knee injury, then another one, and then now he's in his fourth year, and then another knee injury. So it's really been a a rough ride for him, starting off so high and getting to the point where he just doesn't think that he can continue to put his body through that. So I feel for him, but... You know, congratulations to everything that Jack and Joshua have have accomplished in their careers, both at Ohio State and in the NFL. And I think both of those guys being young, they've got a little coin in their pocket, got a little cash. So we'll see what they're able to do with the next phase of their lives. Absolutely. All right. So real quick, we're going to talk a little bit about basketball here now. Alexis, I kind of assumed that we would be talking about TBT this week, but the scarlet and gray team in TBT got their butts handed to them by Jimmer for debt last week. So we have no TBT to talk about. However, Chris Holtman and the men's basketball team are currently in the middle of their 11 day trip to Spain. I'm going to steal your line. Jim Harbaugh is not the only pro- uh, coach who can take players overseas. Chris Holtman was actually planning on taking his Butler team to Spain last season. And then he got a better offer. Go to Columbus, Ohio instead. <laughs> so he decided to, the, his team, his Butler team, did go to Spain last year. He decided to take a lot of those plans, just do them again with the Buckeyes. Um, this is a, a a trip that is is meant to bond this team together that's gone through so many personnel changes over the last few years. One, because a bunch of people left when Holtman came, a bunch of transfers. Then they had a huge swath of talent and veteran leadership leave after last season with, with graduations of Kata Bates-Diop, Jay Sean Tate, Cam Williams, and I still can't believe I have to say this, Andrew Dockich. Um, so they've got new players in both from from transfers. They have freshmen in that are going to have to contribute this season. So this is really going to be a bonding experience with them. One of the players that will not be going with them, though, is transfer C.J. Walker. He is technically eligible to go on the trip with him. He's been doing everything with him, all the practicing and stuff, but he's not eligible to play this year, so he's going to take this time to go home and be with his family in Indianapolis instead. You know, they're going to play some basketball, play some professional-level teams, get a lot of practicing in, do some sightseeing. I think if there was a team... You know, we make fun of Jim Harbaugh for taking his teams over there and doing sleepovers with... You know, it's just kind of nerdy, and he uses it, whatever. But for a team like the Buckeye men's basketball team that needs something to kind of pull them together with all of the weird stuff that's gone off with their lineup, they just people who haven't played with each other a lot. Like this seems like this is something that could go a long way when they actually tip it off later this fall. Oh, absolutely. And I just saw a video on Twitter that they posted and they're already winning. They beat a whole bunch of kids at soccer in the street of Spain. (laughs) So 
you know, Winning. things are going well, it looks like. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, there's one thing that they are also winning at, and that's fashion, isn't it, Alexis? Oh, my gosh. Joey Lane is wearing a fanny pack in all the pictures from their day two (laughs) over there. And he's wearing it, like, around his shoulder, and it's killing me a little. But I also have to give him props for rocking a fanny pack in Spain. Yeah, like, I think that's actually something that people do. Like, I don't think he's, like, creating a trend. Like, I think that's something that people do. I mean, I would never do it. I'm way too old to wear a fanny pack in any on any part of my body, let alone across my chest. But it's, I mean, Joey Lane is a fan favorite. He can do no wrong in far, as far as uh, Buckeye fans are concerned. Well, sure. And I mean, it was an Ohio State fanny pack. So do you, Joey Lane? Do you? Yeah. <laughs> do you just smoke, <laughs> smoke setting the fashion trends? But um, we're going to close out this episode with somebody else who, in my mind, can do no wrong. In fact, now that I'm officially the deputy managing editor of Land Grant Holy Land, I am submitting my official request to change our entire focus to be just a Big Bob Landers stand blog because yes. Big Bob Landers is the greatest. Um, we wrote about back at the spring game the fact that he was passing out <laughs> fruit snacks out of a gold football. Um, we went crazy when we thought he scored a touchdown last season on a scoop and score fumble. It got called back. But today, Big Bob Landers got the last laugh as he released a trailer for his own 30 for 30, Run BB Run. What if I told you that sticks and stones can break bones, but words can also hurt too? People who keep calling me fat on Twitter, I'm not fat. I'm just a little thick around the edges, so let's get that out there now. That dreams can become a reality. That's every fat boy's dream. ESPN 30 for 30 proudly presents Run BB Run. Uh, it was amazing, and that's exactly what we needed with all of the ridiculous, sad news going on with the Zach and Courtney Smith Urban Meyer fiasco. To have Big Bob Landers laughing um, and to see this bit of ridiculousness was awesome. It was great, and it was really good to see, you know, I feel like we're not really thinking much about the players right now, and sure. it's good to see sort of what kind of spirits they're in, and I mean... Big Bob Landers is going to be amazing no matter what. But it's, you know, I hope that his energy around it right now, you know, it will trickle into the rest of the team and hopefully they go into training camp focused and not too distracted based on this. And, you know, they are so talented. I just want them to go and have fun. Like if they have fun, I feel like we could still, no matter who's the coach, we could have a really good shot at having a great season. So they just need to have a good time. And Big Bob Landers is the guy to lead them there. I'd be totally fine with Robert Landers being the interim head coach. Like I'd be fine with that. I mean, can you see him with like the headset on the sideline and like the Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott, like crop top? Oh. Cause I can. Oh yes. That needs to happen. <laughs> that needs to happen so bad. So, all right. So Alexis, we got through our first podcast. Nothing. Nobody broke anything. Yeah. It worked out pretty well. I think. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Hang Out in the Holy Land. You can find all episodes of the podcast on LandGrantHolyLand.com, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your daily dose of podcast goodness. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. You can follow Alexis on Twitter and Instagram at LovelyBuckeye, right? That's both of them. That's it. All right. And you can follow the site at LandGrant33 on Twitter and Instagram and by searching LandGrantHolyLand on Facebook. Buckle up, everybody. It's going to be an interesting fall with this football program, and we will be back to talk to you next Friday. Go Bucks! Go Bucks!